Open your Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. Tonight while you're turning there, while you're going that direction, I'm going to go back to Psalm 119, and I'm going to read the first 16 verses uh, as our introduction tonight. So Psalm 119, the first 16 verses. God's Word says this, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Listen to these words, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. In Psalm 119, the whole thing we have a song celebrating the blessing of God's Word. And that's what it is. It's a song celebrating the blessing we have in God's Word. We also have a reminder of the treasure of God's Word. Sometimes we neglect to see that. We have a great treasure in the Word of God. Well, this is a song reminding us of that treasure. But I also want you to notice something. Notice the impact is not just in meditating, not just in hearing, not just in studying. It is in those things. But rather the impact also is in walking, verse 1. In observing, verse 2. In walking again, verse 3. In keeping God's commands, verse 4. In establishing our way accordingly, in verse 5, again in keeping, in verse 8 and verse 9, in regarding his word, verse 15, and in remembering, verse 16. The blessing of the word of God is found in living according to the word of God. And the New Testament says that we're to be doers of the word. Understand, we are shaped and we are instructed in the hearing and the studying of the word of God. We are blessed and God is honored in our walking in obedience to his word. Listen to that again. We are shaped in the hearing of his word. We, we, are, we are instructed in the studying of his word, but we are blessed and God is honored as we walk in obedience, walking according to his word. Well, my encouragement for us on these Sunday nights, as we walk through these words of God's wisdom, is that we would think and we would consider and we would study, but we would do so being prepared to walk in obedience. The blessing is living accordingly, walking in obedience. That's my prayer, that we would study, yes, that we would begin to understand, yes, 
growing in our understanding, but that we would be prepared to leave here and live walking in obedience. All right, back to Proverbs chapter 21. We left off last week in verse 21. I'm going to start back tonight in verse 22. So Proverbs chapter 21, beginning back in verse 22. All right, God's word says this. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Now, that's, that's a strange verse. That's hard for us to understand. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Again, a, a strange verse, an interesting verse. Uh, it is honestly a verse probably lost to us in the context. Uh, because of a loss of context, very simply, we do not think this way. Uh, we do not talk, we do not live in this manner uh, as they did when this was written. We lose a lot of the understanding in the context. Well, let me help you understand that. Throughout the Proverbs, God is showing us that a wise man, a person that hears the wisdom of God, that takes it in, that lives accordingly, that a wise man prospers. And that's what he is showing us. A wise man living accordingly, has success. We saw last week they have a house full of oil. They have food. They have the good things. And so a wise man living accordingly is blessed. They have success. Well, this verse is saying in this day a city would be fortified. It would be protected. It would be armed against assault. And so here's this city. And it is a great city, and so it is armed against attack, protected against assault. The residents of that city, they would place their hope in the supply of the city, the protection of the city. You know what? Our city is well fortified, and it is protected, and our hope is in the supply of the city. Well, the picture here is the wise man can even overcome that. That is the picture. Now, listen. It's not a call to go to a city and rob it, to loot or to steal. But it is the picture that the person operating in God's wisdom will and can overcome opposition and obstacles. And that's what that picture is. Again, it's hard for us to see missing the context. But a person operating in God's wisdom, you know what, they'll overcome obstacles in God's wisdom. They'll overcome opposition in God's wisdom wisdom. It is a statement saying the person with godly wisdom, a person using godly wisdom, they will succeed. One commentary I was looking at said they will have a life of victory. And so a person using godly wisdom, they will succeed. And let me go ahead and just say it very early in our study tonight. What that means, that's a long way to get to this. This is actually the best way to live. This is actually the best way to live. You know what? We're going to overcome opposition if we go by God's wisdom. You know what? We're going to come over obstacles if we live according to God's wisdom. We're going to see success living according to God's wisdom. This actually is the best way to live. All right, verse 23. Now, verse 23 is a new idea. It is one we have not heard, and so I want you to listen very closely. A new idea in verse 23. He who guards his mouth and his tongue 
guards his soul from troubles. You ever heard that before? He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Now the key here is understanding the word guards. In the original language, it means to keep, to watch, to secure. It, it means this, if you watch your words, if you secure your words, if you have control over your words, you know what you're saying, you're deliberate in what you say, you're thoughtful in why you say it, if you keep control over your words, you will keep, you will guard your soul from troubles. You will keep yourself out of trouble. It is amazing the trouble that our words can start. It's amazing the trouble that words can get us into. In fact, I would tell you most of our trouble comes from the use of our words. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. All right, verse 24. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. Let me read that again. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. Now we'll start off by trying to understand insolent pride. The one who acts in insolent pride. The best, probably the best understanding or the best translation would be arrogant pride. And so your actions are motivated in, are steeped in arrogant pride. Now this is a person who does things, who acts, and they know better than everybody else. And you know what? I know the best thing, and I don't care how long you've been doing this. I don't know. I don't care how much wisdom you have. I know the best thing. And so they, they know better than everyone else. They do not need advice. I don't need advice. They do not need help. And for sure, they're above correction. I do not need correction. I'm resistant to correction. You know why? I know myself. And so I need no help. I need no advice. And that is how they act. You know what, I'm going to do this, I know best. You know what, I'm not going to seek godly counsel, I know best. You know what, I don't care what the, what the truth is, I'm going to do something else, I know best. They are selfishly self-directed. That's where we get boil it down to. They are selfishly self-directed. You know what, other names for that person, here's what the Bible says, that person operating like that, other names for that person, proud, they're a proud person. Haughty, that's a word that means better than others. They have haughty eyes. They look down on you. They're better than others. Scoffer, this is a person that laughs at other ideas. They mock other, other understandings. They actually just put others down. You know what, if your way's not my way, it's because something must be wrong with you. They, they put other people down. Before we pass out of that verse, think about our day. You know what? If we disagree with somebody, we have to tear that person up. We have to, we have to, we have to, to tear that person to shreds. We have to laugh at them. We are haughty. We're better than everybody else. We are proud. And we operate in insolent arrogance. Pride. All right, moving to verse 25. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death. For his hands refuse to work. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. 
It's, it's funny, in the Proverbs, in our study of Proverbs, we keep seeing repetition, repetition. Here it is, here it is again. Sometimes two or three times in the same chapter. Move to a new chapter, there it is again. Well, one of the best ways to learn, Coach Blue will tell you this in football, was repetition. Get on the line, do it again. Get on the line, do it again. Repetition, do it again. Repetition. Well, this must be something that we need to understand. Over and over again, here we come back to this point. All right, what does it say? It says, the desire of the sluggard. Remember that gross word, sluggard. It means lazy, slothful. And the picture is actually a slug. And we, we've talked about this a couple times on Sunday night. Have you ever watched a slug, just a big slimy slug? And they, I don't even know how they move. They just kind of slime along. And they're over here, and then somehow they slug their way over somewhere else. Well, that's the picture, a slug, a slothful, lazy person. Well, what is the desire of a sluggard? Think about that. Here's the desire of a sluggard, to escape work. I don't want to work, not going to work. To not exert energy, not to, not to have to put in any effort. Oh, that's going to cost too much. I'm going to have to expend too much energy. The desire of a sluggard is not to exert energy. The desire of a sluggard is to be comfortable, to be at ease. They're found at ease. Actually, one of the, one of the descriptions in, in Proverbs is the person found at sleep. They sleep and they sleep. They go to bed early. They sleep late. They sleep in the day. They're found and they're asleep. One of the pictures says they fold their hands. They're asleep. Another one says they roll over in the bed and they roll over in the bed and they just stay in the bed. They're sleeping. Those are the desires of a sluggard, of a slothful person. Here's what the Bible says. That desire ruins them. It brings them to ruin. Bible says because of that desire, their hand refuses to work. They will not work. I, I want to give you some good news. Listen very carefully here. These are hard times right now in our world. They're hard economically. They're hard financially. They're hard in our nation. These are hard times. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Inflation is skyrocketing. What a dollar used to buy, a dollar will not buy. Inflation is skyrocketing. The price of groceries has become insane. You used to go spend $30. Guess what? Now you spend $90 and probably have less stuff to eat. The, the price of beef, the price of meat, the price of groceries is becoming insane. Gas prices in two months, three months, six months have become absurd. 40 cents gain in a week, we don't not even flinch over that. It is absurd what gas prices are. Shortages of things. And it's crazy what, what you go to the store and all of a sudden they're out of crackers. How do you run out of crackers? They're, they're, you're, you're out of instant lemonade. Who's drinking all the lemonade? Shortages of things. Uncertainty. What's it going to be next week? What can we not afford next week? These are tough times. Here's the good news. Listen very carefully. And there has never been a better time ever to be a worker. And I'll just tell you that, there has never been a better time to be a person that produces, that works. You can't find them today. Businesses are going out because they can't find them. 
There is a premium for workers today. Let me tell you this. If you are a worker that will get there early, that will stay late, that will work hard, that will get things done, that will produce, you're living in the best day to ever live. They are looking for workers today. Best time to ever be a worker is right now. I want to tell you what, if, if you'll work, you'll climb ladders, you'll have people calling you if you'll work. And yet, these are the days that people won't work. And that's what's crazy. I see that over and over again. If somebody will mail me something, I'm not going to go to work. I'm going to keep not working. The good news is these are the best days ever to be a worker. Verse 25, the desire of the sluggard puts him to death for his hands refuse to work. Verse 26 continues on, all day long he is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back. All day long he is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back. Here's the contrast. That sluggard, because they are not working, because they're not able to secure the things of life, all day long they're in need. You know what? I, I need this. I need that. I see it all the time. There's people, you know what, man, if I could just get this. If we could, if you could get a little help with this. $600, we'll get our water bill paid. If you'll help us with that, then we'll work about our electric bill. People are all in need. The sluggard, they're, they're in need. That's what the verse says. They're in need. But the righteous person, here's what the verse says. Here's the contrast. The one operating according to God's wisdom, they're, they're earning according to God's wisdom. They're saving according to God's wisdom. They're, they're living according to God's wisdom. The Bible says they're not only making it, they're not only doing all right, that person can give generously. And so when they see someone that has a true need, you know what? They can help. When they have an issue pop up, they're able to take care of it. That person can give generously. Here's some great advice according to God's word tonight. Be a worker. Be a worker. Go to work. Work hard. God blesses hard work. God blesses hard work. Verse 27. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? Now, there's two people, really, there's two people in this picture. There's two people in this verse. The first person is a poser. They do not love God. Their heart is not given to God. The Bible, even in this verse, calls them wicked. They are not worshiping God. And yet, notice in the verse, they are playing the part that they do. I'm afraid we have a whole lot of folks like that. Their heart's not given to God. They're not truly dedicated to God. They're not worshiping God. And yet, they're playing the part like they do. Now, what that means is they come and they look like the part Oh, here they are, and they look like the part. They say the words of the part. They have all the right words. They could give you a great prayer. They bring an offering. And the Bible says God knows their heart. And so God knows it, and he sees it. And here's what the Bible says. God hates it. God hates it. They're not really committed to God. They're pretending. They're a poser. And God actually hates it. The word abomination. Sometimes you think, well, that's a hard word. The word abomination means detest. God hates that. He detests that. 
But then he ups, ups it a level and he says, and how much more when he does it, the person does it with an evil intent. He can't stand a fake heart. He can't stand false worship. And how much more when a person does it with evil intent as part of an evil ploy. Now, it doesn't give us a specific description of that, but maybe this person thinks they're fooling God. And so I can stay in this sin and I'll just buy off God. Maybe that's the picture. Or maybe they think they're buying a position. Maybe if I do these things, somebody in the church will see me and they'll hear me and they'll give me all their business or they'll bring me all their insurance work or whatever it is, and they think they're buying a position. Maybe they think it's to be seen or to get uh, to prestige or to secure a deal. But not only are they false in their worship, they are evil in their plan, evil in their intent. God knows, God sees it's a matter of the heart. Verse 28, a false witness will perish, but the man who listens to the truth will speak forever. A false witness will perish, but the man who listens to the truth will speak forever. Now, verse 28 is a point of practical wisdom. God is saying in verse 28, be aware of this, get this, understand this. A false witness, a liar, a person that says something that's not true, a false witness, will perish. The word for perish means they will come to an end. They will come to ruin. That's the reality of it. Maybe it's not going to be soon. Sometimes we look and say, well, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. Maybe we think it's not going to be noticed. We think it goes unnoticed. But the truth of God's word is this. A false witness will perish. Now, I want to stop right here for just a second. Here's a, a principle that we need to settle just in this set of verses. Think about this. Do we actually believe God's word? And that's the question. Do we believe God's word? That is the key. Do we believe this is what God has said in all areas? But here's our test area. This is just one area. Do you think a false witness will perish? I'm not asking you to answer out loud. Let me tell you what we probably think. And I'm, I'm just being honest. When we know somebody's lying, and, and we know their pattern is to lie, and that's what they do, they, they're a liar, here's what we probably think. Don't you probably think they're going to get by with it? They're probably going to get by with it. Don't you think more than likely they're never going to find out? If I did that, they'd catch me before sundown, but I watch folks and they lie and they always get by with it, so they're lying now. Most likely it's never going to be found out. I start to think that. They're never going to be found out. If they do get caught in it, don't we start to think it's not a big deal? Nothing's going to happen to them. It's going to be fine. They'll get out of it. It won't be a big deal for them. But the truth is this. God says they will perish. Let me tell you this, something. If we actually believe that, we would be very careful how we speak. If we thought the, the false witness will perish, we'd be very careful in what we say. It says, but the man who listens to the truth will speak forever. Now, this is interesting. Get this tonight. There is a danger in listening to liars. There is a consequence in listening to liars. 
Now, the, the, the point of the verse here is not to not just be one, but it's, it's to not get in with them. Don't listen to them. I know sometimes we think, well, we know that's what they do, but that's just them. We know that's probably what they're doing, but that's how they always have been. There is a danger, there is a consequence in listening to liars. Do not get in with them. It says, however, the one that listens to the truth, they're not going to come to ruin. They're going to escape the consequence. It says they're going to speak forever. All right, going on, verse 29. A wicked man displays a bold face, but as for the upright, he makes his way sure. This is kind of a comical verse, and, and I'm sure when I'll tell you what it is, you might, you might think of somebody. A wicked man displays a bold face, but as for the upright, he makes his way sure. Here's the deal. There are people that are not good liars. Did you know that? There's people that are not good liars, and they might like to think they'd like to be a good liar. They, they may need to pull it off every now and then, but with that person, you can see it a mile away. They're, they're not good liars, and I don't know. They may look at their shoes. They may have a crazy look in their eyes. They may have to look around, dart their eyes around, but they're just not good liars. They can't pull it off. But a wicked man, here's what the Bible says, can lie with confidence, can lie with boldness. They can look you in the eye and do it, and they're not going to flinch. You're not going to detect it. They're able to tell you a lie. In English, not, in, not in, in Hebrew, but in English, we came up with the term a bald-faced lie. You ever, I remember my granddad saying, well, that's just a bald-faced lie. I was about nine. I didn't even have a, a, weird, a beard, but that's a bald-faced lie. Here's what that means. No covering on your face, and you're just lying. No hiding behind a beard. Or the last couple of years, no hiding behind a mask. You're just able to look somebody in the eye and just tell them a lie. And it doesn't bother you and you can't tell it because they're so confident in their lie. The upright, here's what the verse says. The upright, however, they can see through that. They know the truth. They speak the truth. They make a practice of listening to the truth. They make a distance from those that are not truth speakers. And so here's what the Bible says. Their way is sure. They're not having to wonder, is this a lie? Is it true? Can I put validity? Can I put confidence in this? Their way is sure. They trade in the truth. That's the upright person. Verse 30. I like verse 30. It's getting hot in here. We're going to have to move fast. There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. Man, we ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to say that. We ought to know that. There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. And here's what I want you to see in verse 30. God is perfect in knowledge. He knows everything. He is perfect in knowledge. He is perfect in wisdom. He knows how it works, why it ought to work, the best thing. He, he is perfect in wisdom. He is perfect in understanding. Now, if that's not crazy enough, 
He is infinite in those things, limitless in those things, limitless in knowledge, limitless in perfect wisdom, limitless in understanding. He has no limit. There's no blind spot for him. That is him. And so seeking wisdom, truth, and understanding outside of God is empty and is a waste of time. That's, that's what the verse is saying. If God is truth and he holds all wisdom, in searching for truth and for wisdom and understanding, we go to God. If, you, if you're searching for truth and you're searching for understanding, you're searching for wisdom, today we cannot exclude God from that thought process. Today, we've got this idea that we have to separate the two. Here is God, and he wants you to go to heaven, but here's the truth, and it's a separate thing. Listen, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, truth cannot be separated from God. Listen to this. Many of our educational institutions, most of our educational institutions are trying to teach or to promote Wisdom and knowledge that's outside of God. That's just a matter of fact. We're going we're to dissect this. We're going to figure this out. But we're going to come to a conclusion that's outside of God. You know what that is? Listen very carefully. That is the denial of the truth that God is truth. If you're looking for wisdom and knowledge and understanding separate from God, outside of God, that is a denial that God is truth. Let me say this. A secular version of the truth or of knowledge or of understanding is not possible, is not true, therefore is a lie and is in opposition to the truth of God. The two are not able to be separated. God is truth. He is wisdom. He is knowledge he is understanding. We cannot separate those things. All right, verse 31, last verse. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Great verse. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Here's what the verse is saying. In the effort, preparations are made. We're not going to say, well, God's got this. I'm not going to do anything. I have no part. Well, I don't have to prepare. I don't have to work. You know what? I, I come home not. I'm expecting supper to be on my table. I'm not going to put preparation in. Preparations are made. In fact, wise preparations are made. God's seeking wisdom. Those that have sought God's wisdom, they, they make preparations. Needed preparations are made. We seek God's leading. We work accordingly, and we prepare. How many efforts fail for a lack of preparation? Didn't, didn't get it done. Didn't prepare. Well, God wasn't with us. God didn't provide. How many efforts fail for a lack of preparation? The Bible says this in Proverbs. If you do not plow in the season, you're not going to harvest in due season. That's what that's saying. I didn't plow. I didn't plant. I don't understand why I don't have a harvest. You didn't prepare. We do Prepare in godly wisdom. But here's the other part of that. But the victory comes from God. We trust him. 
Yes, we seek his wisdom. Yes, we walk in obedience. Yes, we work hard. Yes, we prepare. But listen to this. Here's what it's saying. We can trust God. You work hard. You submit to him. You walk in obedience. But you understand this. You can trust God. We can trust God. The wise person will walk in success. That's what God's word says. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dirty Father, we come. We're thankful for the opportunity to gather tonight. We're thankful for your word. Lord, help us love it. Help us to, to, to dive into it, to read it, to study it, to memorize it. But also help us to live according to it. Help us to be a, a peculiar, weird people who say, you know what, we're going to go this way. We're going to do it like God has said. And then we're going to walk in obedience. And Lord, we pray that you would be pleased in that, that you would be blessed through that, you'd be known through that. And we, we're thankful that you haven't left us without a witness, without a guide, your word. We praise you for it. Lord, we come as we conclude this day, as we head into a new week, I pray a couple things. I pray that we'll be faithful stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that we'll be diligent workers in your fields trying to lead people to Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that we'll be a peculiar people living not like the world, but living like Jesus in the world. Lord, help us to be different. Lord, I pray for the homes that are represented here, the, the grandparents, the moms, the dads, the single folks, the, the employers here, the employees here the retired folks here. Lord, I pray that we would find our purpose in you. We'd find peace in our purpose and that we'd point to the name of Jesus and the things we do in the next week. Lord, we praise you tonight. We worship you tonight. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.